Brooklyn. What is going on, Nets fans? My name is Neil Villapiano, and I am the host of the newest podcast here on the Basketball Podcast Network, the Bridge to the Nets podcast, which is going to cover everything you need to know about your Brooklyn Nets. I'm really excited to be doing this, guys. I'm so pumped to be a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. Some of you may know me as the host of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on our sister network, the uh, Hockey Podcast Network. That covers the New Jersey Devils. But I am also, I mean, I'm a big sports fan in general, to be very honest with you. But I am certainly a big Nets fan, been a Nets fan my whole life. I'm going to take a few minutes to kind of introduce myself and get you guys to know a little bit more about me as we go along in this journey together. But I'm super excited to be doing this, guys. We're going to have new episodes every Friday here on the Basketball Podcast Network covering everything for the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously, especially recently, there is a lot to talk about. And, and we'll certainly get into all of that. We're going to be obviously giving you guys, you know, up-to-date news. We're going to give you rumors and rumblings, things like that, opinion pieces. And we're also going to be casually recapping the games that happen during the week leading up to the episode. But again, Super excited to get this thing started, get the Bridge to the Nets podcast going. So let's just not waste any more time and get this one rolling. So again, I'm going to start by kind of introducing myself. I won't take very long, but I wanted you guys to uh, get, get the chance to get to know me a little bit better and just talking about myself from a basketball perspective. So First and foremost, I am a big sports nut, been in the sports industry basically my whole life. I played sports when I was, uh, you know, rec league, high school, pretty much up to there. But I always stayed in the sports media world. I went to sports broadcasting camps. I actually got my certification in sports broadcasting and journalism from Hofstra University. I had my own television show down in uh uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which is South Jersey, for about three years. I've been, I've had a couple YouTube channels. I've been working with the Hockey Podcast Network since June of 2020, and uh, you know, only a couple weeks ago, I expressed interest to do a basketball podcast because we have the Basketball Podcast Network as well. And uh, luckily enough, we needed a Nets podcast. So, being a Nets fan and being a Nets fan my whole life. Uh, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. Now, as far as, you know, me being a Nets fan, a basketball fan, like I just mentioned before, been a Nets fan my whole life, you know, born and raised in New Jersey, still live here to this day. And, you know, I grew up watching the Nets. I, I really started watching them during the Jason Kidd, Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson era. I always argue that the Nets had the original big three before it got cool when LeBron went to Miami. Um, I was actually a season ticket holder, or well, our family was season ticket holders for the Nets in the 2008 season. That was when we were still playing at the Continental Airlines Arena slash IZOD Center. Uh, we had some dark days, obviously, when we were playing at the Prudential Center, where the Devils also play. But I remained a fan of the Nets when they moved across the Hudson River into New York and more specifically into Brooklyn. We went through those uh, 
interesting years with uh, Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez. You know, we had, you know, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry, Paul Pearson, that ridiculous trade we made uh, with with the Boston Celtics. And uh, I really try not to talk about that. But I, I, you know, I stayed a Nets fan my whole life. And I always have dreamed that one day the Nets would be good enough to not only compete, but certainly win a championship. And when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came over to the Nets a few years back, which is crazy how it's been about two, almost three years now since uh, since that happened, you know, it's it's something that gave you hope. And, uh, you know, fast forward to now, and there's just so much uncertainty. And like I said, we'll get into all that in just a few uh, short moments. But I wanted to give you guys a, a better perspective of where I'm coming from. And I will promise you this. This podcast is going to be for the fans, by a fan. This isn't going to be some journalistic type podcast that you, I'm sure a lot of you have grown accustomed to seeing. I'm not, you know, I have no relationship. I don't work for the Brooklyn Nets or anything like that. So I'm just going to speak my mind. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to express to you how I feel. I'm going to give you my honest opinion, my honest truth about everything that's going on. And uh, that's what I just want to give you guys at the end of the day, the honest truth and speak for a lot of fans because I feel like I have a good... Uh, a good relationship with a lot of uh, fans. By the way, guys, to let you know, we also are going to be on social media. Well, we already are on social media on Twitter and Instagram at bridge to nets. So make sure you guys go follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And as we continue to build that, we might do some giveaways and things like that. Also wanted to let you guys know we are doing live watch alongs on the basketball podcast network, YouTube channel. Uh, we just did our first ever one back on Thursday. Uh, I was a part of that one. I'm going to be doing mostly Nets games. So I hope you guys are there to hang out with us as we continue to watch this team and we go through this season, but we're going to be building it up live watch longs every single day. there on the channel covering every single team in the national basketball association and like I said before, guys, I'm just super excited to uh, to be talking to you guys, talking some Nets basketball, and just you know reaching some new fans. Just you know, I've like I said, been doing a uh, hockey podcast for well over two years now, built a tremendous following. You guys can go check it out, Devil's State of Mind podcast, also on Twitter and Instagram as well. And uh, I promise you guys, what you see there is what you're going to get here with the Bridge to the Nets podcast. So again, just wanted to introduce myself. And one more time, just super excited to get going here and uh, being a part of just such a great community that is Nets fans. So now let's get into the team themselves. Let's give you guys some updates here of some things. Most of you guys already know a lot of this stuff, but I want to get uh, as close to up to date as I possibly can. I am recording this actually um, on Friday, a little bit delayed, so I do apologize for that. But uh, this episode should be out at some point here on Friday, and I'll promote it on social media, and you guys will see it um, when it comes out. But we'll start with the biggest news and probably the most positive news we can get, and that Kevin Durant is back from injury. The Nets announced on Thursday morning that Kevin Durant would return to the lineup after being out since January 15th with a sprained MCL knee injury, and that was so exciting to hear that he was going to be coming back. We knew early in the week that there was the possibility. We knew the most likely he was out the you know both games, which turned out to be the case. He was out both games against Toronto, 
but he would return, but that was a good chance that he would return for Thursday's matchup against the Miami Heat. And that was just such a great thing to hear, considering how much bad news and negative things we've been getting of late. It was nice to know that uh, the face of the franchise, arguably the best player in the NBA, um, was going to be back in the lineup. Kevin Durant, when he spoke to me, he said that he was just energized to come back. He said it was very tough to be on the sidelines for that long, watching his team going through so much. And certainly the change the uh, team has dramatically changed since the last time he uh, he was on the court. And the team in the standings, uh, they've drastically changed since the last time he was playing. But Kevin Durant put out this one quote that I thought was really interesting that I wanted to share with you guys. He said, quote, I know a lot of fans that are watching us had high expectations for us coming into the season and expected us to run away with the championship. If you're a fan and you appreciate Nets basketball and what we're trying to build, you'll follow us along on the journey. So I really love that comment. It gets me like super fired up. And at the end of the day, we know that Kevin Durant just wants to play basketball and he wants to go out there and he's going to give us his all every single game, regardless of who we're playing and regardless of who he's playing with. We saw that early on in his career going, uh, in Oklahoma City. We saw that when he went to the Warriors and we're seeing it now. We certainly saw it last year, especially in the playoffs. You know, it's just we know what Kevin Durant can bring to us when he's healthy and he's on the court. And for him to say that being the leader of the team, I think that just can't help but get this team amped up and excited for hopefully, you know, better days moving forward. So it's great that Kevin Durant is back in the lineup, hopefully. And, you know, again, knock on wood, because we've had a lot of luck, bad luck with injuries. Hopefully Kevin Durant could just stay healthy the rest of the season as we continue to try to get guys back and really try to get our team settled here if and when um, we get into the playoffs, which uh, is still uh, somewhat of an uncertainty. Now, the next thing that I wanted to give you guys uh, to talk a little bit about with you guys is an update on Ben Simmons, because obviously we're trying to figure out when or if Ben Simmons is going to play at all this season. Uh, GM Sean Mark said that, quote, there's no real timetable, end quote, for Simmons to be cleared for action, but that the team is optimistic he's, quote, getting more into the team environment, end quote, by the end of next week. The trouble for Simmons and the Nets, though, is that the, the Nets' last regular season game is just a little bit more than a month away, April 10th to be exact. And it's all but guaranteed that Ben Simmons will not play next Thursday, March 10th, the big one, uh, when the Nets travel to Philly to take on James Harden, uh, Joel Embiid, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, you guys have constantly heard about you know what people's opinions are about what's going on and how they feel about Ben Simmons and we know the story by now you know Ben Simmons was constantly saying that the biggest reason he wasn't playing was because he wasn't in a good place mentally it had nothing to do with the the 76ers it had nothing to do with the fans or anything like that and now he's dealing with a back issue and back spasm which it is reported that he has had this problem in the past. So this is not something that's completely out of the ordinary, but I will say this. I do believe that there is a lot of, you know, um, sus things going on in the Nets organization. I firmly believe that Ben Simmons did not want to play in that game March 10th. I was hoping that he would just not be bothered by it and he would play. I think that 
he probably is dealing with some sort of back spasms, but not to the degree that Sean Marks or anybody within the Nets organization is uh, making it out to be. So I think there is a decent amount of lying that's going on here. And it's very frustrating because let me explain. And I'll go and I'll probably repeat myself once I get done with the majority of the updates and news that we got over this week. I can think I could speak for a lot of us Nets fans and saying that we are so sick and tired of just waiting around for this team to be fully healthy. We hear people in the media and even players on the team talk about what it's going to be like when this team is fully healthy. We were saying that even when we still had James Harden on the team and we still haven't gotten to that point. Basically, since Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came to Brooklyn, we've never really had that situation. Because if you remember, the first full season, Kevin Durant was out the whole year. Kyrie Irving only played 20-some-odd games. Then we had the pandemic. He didn't come back. Then you go into last season, you know, everything seemed to be going well at first. But then Kyrie Irving went into his hiatus. James Harden comes along. The, The guys only play, you know, a a handful of games together in the regular season, including playoffs as well. Kyrie gets hurt in the playoffs. You know, Harden gets hurt in the playoffs. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And then you go into this season, Kyrie, for the dumbest reasons you could really think of, honestly, from what he was telling us, uh, refused to get vaccinated. And, you know, he's only playing, you know, part-time. Harden at at the end there kind of checked out. KD got hurt and was out for 20-plus games. It just... We're constantly waiting for this team to be at full strength because everybody's telling us how great this team can be when it's fully healthy. And you're seeing, you know, with the guys that we have on the court that have consistently been healthy and playing, I don't mean to knock them, but I got to call it like it is. You know, they were not expected to have this big of a role on the team when they were brought here. Guys like James Johnson, guys like Bruce Brown, guys like even Cam Thomas, Dayron Sharp, and Kessler Edwards. Hell, even guys like DeAndre Bembry and Javon Carter, who are no longer on the team. They were not expected to play this type of heavy minutes, but because of the constant, you know, having at least one or two guy of our main guys out all the time, for whatever stupid reasons, even if they're just, it's just been unbelievably freaking frustrating to watch this team. It really is because you see that, you know, we can't evaluate this team because they're never fully healthy and they are slowly but surely more and more becoming the biggest what if organization, especially in in this short era of Nets basketball is certainly in Nets history, definitely in um, basketball history and possibly one of the biggest what if stories in sports history, especially now that the big three that we had of, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden are no longer uh, together. That's going to be a tremendous story to talk about for years to come. And uh, just hearing this about Ben Simmons, it's like, well, this is just another one of the major hurdles that we constantly have to deal with. It's like, what else is new? You know, Ben Simmons is hurt and not playing. Another, you know, another news, grass is green. You know, it's just, that's what we're at right now. So for Ben Simmons, it's now a week to week thing. I really have no idea when Ben Simmons is going to come back. If he does come back, I I really don't know what to tell you guys. It's very frustrating, 100%. And then we got news that I think we all kind of figured this was going to happen, but we got official word um, on it 
uh, prior to Thursday's game against the Heat. Sean Marks did confirm Thursday that Joe Harris will officially be out for the remainder of the year as he will undergo season-ending surgery on his ankle, his second surgery on his ankle this season. He has not played since the Nets beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 120-96 to back on November 14th. And you look at it, and if we remember, you know, it seemed pretty optimistic that Joe Harris would come back. The way everybody was talking seemed okay, but then things got very, very quiet. We weren't getting any updates. Everything was very, very murky, and it was getting very aggravating that we weren't getting any word about it. Then we heard from Adrian Wojnarowski that um, him and it, that Joe Harris and his agent were thinking about the possibility of getting a second surgery. The Nets also were trying to see if maybe he could play through the pain, through that difficulty, and then get the surgery in the offseason, but it ended up being the case that uh, both the Nets, Joe Harris, and his agent agreed that it would be best for Joe Harris to be shut down the rest of the season. The Nets announced in November that Harris was having surgery on his ankle and expected to be out four to eight weeks. However, Nets head coach Steve Nash told reporters in January that Harris, quote, had some flare-ups, end quote, in his rehab, which pushed his return back further. And I remember... We finally were able to talk to Joe Harris a little bit about that. He said that it really had nothing to do with him overdoing it. It was just one of those things where as he was doing his rehab, something, you know, the flare-ups came up and then it became, you know, a delayed thing. And I think it just got to a point where there was no way that Harris could come back and perform at the level that he's expected to perform um, while dealing with this. Uh, Joe Harris's agent, Mark, uh, Bartol Stein, sorry, confirmed to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski on February 3rd that a second surgery might be required. And then Nash said on Monday that Joe Harris was continuing to work toward a recovery, but that there wasn't any update on his status. So that was, you know, when, when Steve Nash said that on Monday, that was all that we really had at that moment. But then Sean Marks, he spoke to Michael Grady um, earlier in the day that we got word about later on via obviously the Nets and the Yes, uh, the yes Network that Joe Harris would officially be out the remainder of the season. Now, here is the official um, statement that Sean Marks had on Joe Harris. He said, quote, although Joe worked diligently over the past several months to rehab his ankle and exhausted every possible avenue in order to get back on the court with his teammates, it has been determined that he will require an additional arthroscopic surgery in the coming weeks. While it is expected that Joe will make a full recovery following the procedure, it will unfortunately result in him missing the remainder of the regular season and playoffs. We know how deeply disappointed Joe is to miss this stretch run, but he remains a huge part of who we are as an organization. And while he won't be able to contribute on the court, his presence and positivity around the team will continue to be felt by all end quote. So We've seen Joe Harris constantly travel with the team and be there. So we knew that he was there. We knew he was, you know, doing okay and supporting his team. But obviously, this injury became a lot worse than what we all originally thought. And we got the official word that, again, probably doesn't surprise a lot of people. But it, it's something that we were hoping to avoid. And now the question is this. Do the Nets in the offseason consider moving Joe Harris, you know, and potentially trying to get help? Um, you know, somewhere else. I remember somebody tweeted out saying this could very well be the last time that Joe Harris, we see Joe Harris as a net. And it's crazy to think about 
When you go back to that 17-18 team, that team that made the playoffs with all homegrown talents for the most part, and we had so much fun supporting that team. It was great. Um, Joe Harris is the last one to remain. He's been here through, through it all. He was here during the tough years, and now he's here during this. And, uh, you know, obviously people were critical of Joe Harris for how Smokey came up in the playoffs, particularly in the second round against the Bucks. And I constantly said, don't doubt Joe Harris, because when he gets his shot going, he's dangerous. And you could see even this year early on, he was really doing well. And it was really kind of a, uh, it was a very positive sign to see. But unfortunately, we're not going to be able to uh, see any of that moving forward. So it sucks that Joey Buckets is going to be out the remainder of the year, but hopefully with guys like, you know, bringing in Seth Curry, you know, giving an opportunity for Patty Mills to rest and, you know, be able to get back into his form he was earlier in the year. Hopefully those guys can pick up the slack, but losing Joe Harris is a big loss. And, uh, you know, the, the hope is, is that the Nets are able to keep him. I mean, if they end up moving him to get somebody else, it is what it is. It's part of the business. But uh, it really does, it really, really sucks that Joe Harris won't be a part of this team the rest of the year. So it's just another one of the major hurdles that this Nets team will have to continue to try to uh, move forward through. So again, we wish nothing but the best for Joe Harris in his, uh, after his surgery and his recovery and, uh, you know, hope he gets back into the court with the Nets um, sooner rather than later. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone could play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. So the last major update that I wanted to talk to you guys about before we go into our recap here is Kyrie Irving. And I was really hoping early in this week when I was thinking about what I was going to talk to you guys about in this episode, I was really hoping that by the time we got to this point today, that we would be talking about KD's back, Kyrie Irving's allowed to play every single game now because the vaccine mandate in New York was lifted, this, that, and the other thing. And we're here now on Friday, and the situation with Kyrie just continues to be absolutely 110% annoying as fuck. I'm sorry to say that, but it is so 
unbelievably annoying beyond what I could ever imagine. It's it's crazy. So beginning March 7th, the key to NYC vaccine requirements for indoor public spaces, i.e. restaurants, bars, nightclubs, gyms, movie theaters, concert venues, museums, arenas, etc. will be lifted, quote, as long as COVID indicators show a level of risk and we see no surprises this week, end quote. That was uh, Eric Adams, the new mayor of New York City. He mentioned that um, on Sunday. And what was so big about that right away was that the Nets had just, were just about ready to play the Bucks, And we had that crazy win where Kyrie Irving dropped 38 points in Milwaukee, almost single-handedly took that team to winning, a, you know, being under man and beating a relatively healthy Bucks team and getting arguably the biggest win of this entire season. And I remember that several people within the media uh, were talking about the fact that the Nets locker room was so upbeat, not just because they had won that game, but because they had heard that the vaccine requirements for indoor public spaces was going to be lifted and that Kyrie Irving, just based off of that, uh, was going to be able to play uh, full time, which just made, and then knowing that KD was coming back at some point this week, it just felt like, we were finally getting over all of these humps and then being able to just be relatively fully healthy, you know, while a guy like Ben Simmons continues um, to get himself going. But as I continue to read here, just was not the case. The city also plans to lift its indoor mask mandate for children at public schools. Quote, at the end of this week, we will evaluate, we will evaluate the numbers and make a final announcement on Friday, end quote. And then obviously, because I'm recording this on Friday, uh, Eric Adams did indeed lift that. So uh, children do not have to wear masks in school now in New York um, moving forward. If the city goes forward with this plan as expected, which they are still going to, starting next week, Kyrie Irving will no longer be barred from eating in restaurants and the like. He will, uh, he will be allowed to attend Nets games at Barclays Center and its game at Madison Square Garden on April 6th as a spectator as will others who have not been vaccinated against COVID-19. Because, according to Adam's statement, quote, all other vaccine mandates in New York City will remain in place at this time as they are and have been vital to protecting New Yorkers, end quote. This includes the city's vaccine requirement for private businesses, which has been in effect since December 7th. And this is where it gets really, really stupid because it's super specific. Kyrie is subject to the same private sector mandate as all of his teammates, all of the New York Knicks, and virtually everyone else who works in the city. Letting Irving play while this mandate is in place would be tantamount to creating a loophole for Kyrie, not removing one. And then we saw uh, Mayor Adams on CNBC's Squawk on the Street on Monday, and they brought up the question about Kyrie Irving. And Ad Mayor Adams said, quote, it would send the wrong message just to have an exception for one player when we're telling countless number of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed, Adams said in his appearance. He also continued to say businesses have their vaccine mandate, city employees have their vaccine mandates. I have to follow the rules and trust me, I want Kyrie on the court. We are right. We are here right now opening our city because of vaccine mandates. We can't close down again. Here is the whole problem 
and and everything with what's going on first and foremost and obviously this is the first time you guys are hearing my my thoughts about this so let me explain when eric adams was running for mayor he one of the biggest things that he said was that he was going to lift all of the vaccine mandates and you know we all knew that it had mainly to do with kyrie irving and that you know it was only a matter of time before you know, he was going to be allowed to play home games, especially when Adams got elected. But as all politicians do, ladies and gentlemen, he did that. And Eric Adams said that specifically because he knew it would convince a lot of people to vote for him. And then once he got into office, he can kind of backtrack on that and say, well, he still is part of a private sector and he still has this, that and the other thing. And it's all bullshit. So at the end of the day, Eric Adams, whether he wants to admit it or not, and he won't, which is obvious, he lied. He basically lied. And, you know, he might say, well, no, I mean, we're we're lifting the mandate. No, no, you lied because you were trying to get voted in. That is what that is the reality of the situation that we're in. The other issue is that, as we all know, anybody in the NBA that is not vaccinated, that is not playing in New York and not part of either the Knicks or the Nets, has every right to come into New York and play, as we saw with a guy like Bradley Beal. And that just makes 100% no fucking sense at all. It just does not. And uh, it's something we've constantly dealt with. And we've seen it get to a point where guys like the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, was on ESPN two weeks ago talking about basically saying he didn't think this made any sense. And Kyrie has said without really saying as well that he knows that this whole thing is bullshit. And I remember when Kyrie was on Twitch playing NBA 2K with Cam Thomas and Kevin Durant. He said the whole thing, watch when we're fully healthy. Because he was under the impression, as a lot of us were, that Adams was going to lift the vaccine mandate and that Kyrie was going to be able to play. But then we found out later that, yes, the vaccine mandate was being lifted, but it doesn't apply to people like Kyrie, who, interestingly enough, doesn't even live in New York or Brooklyn. He lives in Jersey. So he commutes all the time, which is kind of a funny thing. But still, it's unbelievably ridiculous. And it's very frustrating. And you see that he's allowed to play in away games, obviously. The Nets have made him a part-time player. But again, go back to when we beat the Bucks last week. Everybody was under the impression that Kyrie was going to be able to play and that we're good. Fast forward to today, and it doesn't look like that's going to be the case at all. I think we have to accept the reality that Kyrie will just not play full-time at all this season. And if the Nets end up having to face the Toronto Raptors in the playing game, well, guess what? Kyrie will not be available for that game, especially if the game ends up being, well, it doesn't matter because if it's in Toronto, because Canada still has the vaccine mandate, and in New York, it won't matter because Kyrie's still not allowed to play. But he can sit on the bench, which makes it even more stupid. And Eric Adams said that he thought it was a stupid rule. I know that uh, the former mayor, Bill de Blasio, was the one that put this into place. And the question is this. You mean to tell me you really can't make an exception? And I know. I know this is a touchy subject because, again, you're, you're, you're looking at it from, you know, you have an, an athlete and then you have other people, you know, regular people that have jobs that have to continue to abide by this rule. It's true. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were a lot of people that would be wanting, even if it means that they still have to be a part of this, 
to allow Kyrie Irving to have that exception. And I think it's just one of those things that's ridiculous. Now, Sean Marks on Thursday did say that he would have more clarity between 24 to 48 hours as to what's going on. So I don't know if that means anything, but I just wanted to point that out as well, that there could be something uh, that could change. I don't know. But I would say probably by the time next week starts, we'll have a pretty clear idea as to what's really going to happen long-term with Kyrie Irving. And this obviously goes back to, there were many people, millions of people that did not want to get vaccinated, but they chose to because they didn't want to lose their job. And Kyrie Irving being an athlete who's still getting paid a huge amount of money, even when he's only a part-time player or earlier in the year wasn't playing at all, chooses not to. And his reasoning behind it just didn't make a whole lot of sense at the end of the day. And this is just one of the many problems we've had with Kyrie Irving. He's one of the best players we've ever seen when he's on the court and he's playing, but he also makes it very clear that he makes it a lot about himself. I'm very sorry to say, and he's a big reason, if not the biggest reason that the big three no longer exists because, because James Harden made it clear without really being public about it, that the big reason that he left and wanted out was because Kyrie was not all in and that he was only looking out for himself and not the rest of the team. And Kyrie's won a championship. Katie's won two and two NBA Finals MVPs. Harden hasn't yet. Harden's 32, and he's still trying to win. He's still trying to win his first championship. And he wants to be around guys that are going to be committed. And Kyrie Irving has not been committed. And I don't know Kyrie personally, but just based off of what we've seen and what we've heard, it's hard not to be very critical of what Kyrie Irving has done. It's a very selfish, he's done a lot of very selfish things. And you know, Kevin Durant's got to be sitting there like, I can't believe that I, I, I went with this guy to Brooklyn and he just hasn't been here, you know, and I'm all on my own. You saw that last night in the loss to Miami. We'll get into that in a little bit. But it comes back to this, and we constantly say, well, if Kyrie just said screw it and got vaccinated, we wouldn't even be worrying about this. But now we're trying to do this whole thing where we're trying to beg the mayor of New York to lift the mandate. And I feel bad in a way for Eric Adams because he didn't expect this to be the case a year ago. He didn't expect that Kyrie wasn't going to get vaccinated or anything like that because, again, if he did, who cares? We would not be having this long of a conversation about it and giving you guys updates involving politics. It, that's what's really stupid about this entire thing. So the bottom line is simply that Kyrie Irving will most likely continue to be a part-time player. And all the Nets can hope for is one of two things. One is that the teams that they, they may or may not face in the playoffs, and, and that's if they can, able, they can stay in the playoffs and get into a playoff position. Um, you know, they don't have a vaccine mandate, so he can play half the games. Or Eric Adams just lifts the mandate altogether officially, allows Kyrie Irving to play, and then we're okay. At the time of this recording, the Nets only have seven more road games this season, and Kyrie can only play in six of them because one of those games is against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden in New York. So really, Kyrie's only available for six more games this regular season, and then if the Nets are in the playoffs, who knows how many games he'll be available. But if this is just what it's going to be, the Nets are not going to go anywhere. They're not going to win anything if they're going to constantly not be at full strength. And again, we don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons either. So that's the position that we're in right now. And I will repeat the same thing I've said about some of the other bad news I've, re I've read already in this episode. It sucks. 
And as a fan, there is nothing we can do because we have constantly been screwed over by so many things that are out of our control by people that have chosen to do things in a very selfish way. And it's very, very, very frustrating. And so I hate to end the episode, my first ever episode on a low note. Uh, it, it sucks that I have to do this, but I do want to do a quick recap of the Nets games from this past week. And it's not been good as the Nets started with getting absolutely 100% the shit kicked out of them on Monday at home against the Raptors, who they were behind in, in the standings and still are. Uh, they were a game behind them when this started. We knew how important those two games were to jump them to the seventh seed and this, that, and the other thing. They got trounced 133 to 97. Steve Nash was out because of COVID-19 protocols, and he's still not back, so who knows when he's coming back. Jacques Vaughn just did not do a good job at all. And then you followed up the very next night. You go across the border into Canada to play the Raptors again, and you put yourself in a position where you were winning for a majority of the game. You fought back in the fourth quarter to tie it up, and you end up losing by a point in a heartbreaking fashion because, once again, coaching failed this team and so you lose back to back to the Raptors on Monday and Tuesday and you go from being behind them one game to now you're behind them by three games and then you go to Thursday's game Kevin Durant is back they get off to a fantastic start 35 points in the first quarter up by double digits oh by the way no Kyle Lowry no Jimmy Butler no PJ Tucker those three main guys were not on the court but the Nets still lost. Katie had 31 points, and for some dumbass reason, Jacques Vaughn did not put Katie back in the game when the fourth quarter started until six and a half minutes in, and Katie's sitting there shaking his head like, what the hell is going on? I have to come back in and bail everyone out because nobody can get this going. And he was able to get this team back into it, but, but it was just too little too late. And they kept giving up some shots here or there. Batman Abayo, while being hounded by two guys, kind of just threw the ball at the back of the, you know, the back and into the net off the backboard and in. And he was able to make it a four-point game, and that put the game out of reach. And the Nets ended up losing to a very depleted and very tired Miami Heat team, 113 to 107. You got to give credit to Eric Spolster for getting that team psyched to play that game. They got off to a slow start, but they did not you know, write this one off and just allow the Nets to do whatever. And then when the Nets started missing shots, Jacques Vaughn didn't do anything to douse the fire. He just let this team, you know, out the dry. And the, he had not one, not two, but three, three different runs in this game in which they got to a 10-plus run, 10-plus 0 run. That is unbelievably horrible coaching. And I will, I will say to you guys 100%, I was a big supporter of Jock Vaughn with what he did in the bubble two years ago and thought that he should have been the next head coach of the net. And I'm so glad now that that was not the case because Jock Vaughn is not doing well. Steve Nash really wasn't doing that well either. And I had somebody tell me one time that the reason that the Nets mainly are not doing well is because they don't have the right coach. If you have a super team, you have to have a super coach. And you don't have Greg Popovich, don't have a guy like Steve Kerr, um, or even Tyron Lue or Doc Rivers. You, you know, you had your two-star players decide that Steve Nash, a Hall of Fame player, come in and try to be a coach, a guy who's never been a coach before, 
other than coaching a little bit for Team Canada. And he comes in learning on the job. And it wasn't working last year. And this year has been unbelievably bad. He puts out dumb lineups. He doesn't know when to call timeouts and stop runs. He just does everything wrong. And he's a big problem as well as to why the Nets are so inconsistent. Yes, we're not fully healthy. Yes, chemistry is so vital. And that's another big reason we don't have chemistry with these guys. But still, Even the best coaches are able to figure it out despite having very little talent and be able to figure out. Look what Eric Spolstra did on Thursday with the team that he still had on the court. Yeah, he had Bam. Yeah, he had Tyler Hero. But other guys were stepping up as well. Stepping up 100%. And Jacques Vaughn just sat there and just looked like a deer in the headlights. He did not know what the hell he was doing. Unbelievably ridiculous. No excuse that the Nets should have lost last night. Utter embarrassment. And so now the next game for the Nets is not until Sunday when they're in Boston against a red-hot Boston Celtics team. Red-hot. They beat the shit out of us last week at Barclays. What makes me think that this is going to be different? Because, you know, because Kyrie is going to be able to play. If this team is going to continue to be coached this way and there's so much inconsistency, it makes it makes you wonder, can the Nets win anything at all, any game? You don't feel good. And most of the games they have left this season are against teams that are either above them or just behind them in the playoff standings. They need to figure this shit out. Coaching needs to change. We need to stop with the bullshit with all this Kyrie being out because of vaccine mandates. Ben Simmons just doesn't want to play this, that, and the other thing. And stop forcing Kevin Durant to try to save this team every fucking game. I'm so tired of it. So again, the next game for the Nets is on Sunday against Boston. Don't have a lot of hopes going into that one. The Nets are currently exactly at 500, 32 and 32. Understand that by the time we get to next week, the Nets may be under 500. Think about that. Think about that. That is unbelievable. They're currently still the eighth seed in the East, although they are just one game in front of the Hornets and Hawks, who are both the ninth and tenth seeds, and they're only two and a half games in front of the Washington Wizards, who are the first team out of the playoff picture as the eleventh seed. So we're not. So we went from thinking we're going to be one of the top seeds in the East. We're going to, and then we went to, okay, well, we'll still be one of the top six when Kevin Durant comes back to stand the other thing. Oh, now we're fighting to just be the seventh or eighth seed so that we have at least two chances to get into the playoffs to now we're thinking about a possibility where the Nets could be the ninth or 10th seed fighting to be the eighth seed and have one shot at it, or even more unbelievably speaking, maybe not even making the playoffs at all. And watching James Harden have so much success right now in Philadelphia and everything going so well for them and everything going so wrong for us, it is so fucking draining. And once again, I'm tired of waiting. I just want the Nets to win a championship in my lifetime. I don't care about no dynasty. I don't care about anything like that. I want the Nets to win a championship. They won two ABA championships in the 70s. I know that. But since they've been in the NBA, as I've been a Nets fan for as long as I've had, and a lot of diehard Nets fans will tell you this, every time things seem to start going right, something horrible out of the ordinary goes wrong 
that ends everything. You can look at the original big three when we had Jason Kidd, Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter. You can look at when the Nets first got to Brooklyn, everything fell apart. And now we're in this era. We thought a year ago we were looking at this team, KD, Kyrie, and Harden. How the hell is anybody going to stop us? And at the end of the day, it was freak things. It was teammates deciding to be selfish and do their own thing for some dumbass reason. And so much more that has gone completely wrong. Poor coaching. We don't have solid, dependable players on the bench. It just is so ridiculous. And all we can do is just hope that at some point, all this BS stops and the Nets can finally get healthy and get guys to be able to play full time and do something because we're just never going to be able to know what this Nets team is capable of if we continue to go down this route. So that's really all, all I have to go off of here in this first ever episode of the Bridge to Nets podcast. Um, sorry that I had to be so negative, but again, what else can I go off of? Um, but as I said before, super excited to be covering the Nets, super excited to be, you know, interacting with you guys. And again, follow us on Twitter at Bridge to Nets, as well as Instagram at Bridge to Nets as well. New episodes of the podcast every Friday here on the Basketball Podcast Network and wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you're a Nets fan, this is the podcast you need to be listening to. So again, cannot wait to continue to interact and, uh, Hopefully we get some more upbeat episodes for this season and moving forward.